right, welcome back to this week's walk and talk then. And you can see we are back on the beautiful Isle of Man. I'm very happy to be home, I'll say that. So we're going to talk a lot of geopolitical today. In fact, that's what the video is going to be heavily on is geopolitical topics. We're not really going to do much finance or things like that today because there's so much to just talk through and catch you up on. Again, I'm just going to summarize a lot of the things, give you a a time saver version on this video today as we take a lovely walk through the National Forest here on the Isle of Man, maybe even finishing off at the reservoir. So let's get started then. And the first thing I want to talk about is, and we'll just touch upon, is the UK Parliament. What on earth is going on there? I was trying to follow all the stories around it. It is getting very, very complicated, everything going on in the UK right now. You can just see this massive dissent, even amongst politicians. And, you know, predominantly we're talking around the Israel-Gaza situation and Rafa and everything going on there. So here's the latest as of today and recording this. The UK is looking at restrictions on arms exports to Israel over concerns over breaches of international humanitarian law over this invasion of Rafah. And I've been following this a little bit, and the whole thing is pretty crazy, this whole situation, because it doesn't really make a lot of sense. As always, drop your comments below. I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Now, the next thing that we've got in the news quite heavily over the last couple of days is the Iranian-Russian missile deal. So Iran sent these 400 ballistic missiles and I was reading about these missiles and they can reach up to 435 miles with pinpoint accuracy. And of course, you know, UK, EU, USA have condemned this and saying that they need to be sanctioned more, Iran needs to be sanctioned more and that they're not allowed to sell weapons to Russia. And now Iran's been come back and said, not allowed. What do you mean we're not allowed? We're a sovereign nation. If we want to sell missiles, we can sell missiles. So you got a lot of escalation here. You got a lot of all these weapons equipment. I was also reading about the chips for these long range missiles. You're not hearing this anywhere in the media. I've not heard anyone mention this, but I was trying to understand how they're getting these these chips. And the, the way I thought about that was there was a comment about how advanced these missiles are. And the sort, and I thought for that complexity of navigation system, you really need some very advanced chips. So I started looking into it, and guess where all of the chips for a lot of again, I'm not necessarily talking about the Iranian missiles now, but a lot of these very advanced missiles, they're actually especially Russian missiles, especially the chips are all made in the USA, and it got me thinking: how on earth are these chips getting their way? to Iran. And it looks like there's a lot of very complex structures and shell companies and and this is how they are bypassing all of this and getting these chips over. But it's not just the chips, it's drones as well. And uh, I read a funny story about this uh, underwater drone. We'll see if we can talk about that in a second. But I wanted to read out those, uh, an interview and those questions with the, it just says an Iranian official. And he said, what exactly is your question? There is no reason to hide what we are doing. We are allowed to export weapons to any other country 
that we wish to. And then he went on to talk about the US and you know their weapons programs and Europe and now you've got all these new factories and, and everything else. So I thought that was quite interesting listening to that interview. Now the other interesting thing that's just come out around Iran is they have just claimed a part of Antarctica. And let me tell you why this is interesting in a moment. Because the Iranian Navy Rear Admiral Shaman Irani claims Iran has property rights in Antarctica, particularly the South Pole, aiming to conduct military and scientific operations, including raising the Iranian flag. Of course, the Western countries are furious about this, and they're making all sorts of threats that none of the you know, Iranian planes or boats or whatever are allowed to the region, which again is, is weird to me. If you know the background of Antarctica, there's a lot of strange stuff about Antarctica. And I did this little test a while ago because I kept seeing all these things about that's actually not a continent. It's an ice wall and all this other stuff. So I did a really simple thing on Google Maps and I tried to measure Antarctica. Try this out for yourself. You cannot measure it. And it made me go, oh, OK, so maybe that guy who seemed to me a little bit crazy when he told me this, this story about, about giants and an ice wall and other stuff, I was like, mm hmm, OK. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I've never heard this before, but it's interesting. So I said, I'm going to see if you're true, right, and I'm going to try and measure it. And I actually tried to measure it. Try this for yourself. I couldn't measure it on Google Maps, and it made me say, okay, that's super weird. So maybe I'll have to try and visit Antarctica at some point, because you know how much I love all this weird stuff. We've got a little waterfall behind here. Now, when I listened to this Iranian official uh, making this statement, I thought it was quite interesting that he said this, scientific work needs to be done there, so this is Antarctica, that the people have a right to know about. And that's what made me think, hmm, that is very interesting. He's saying that people have a right to know about something in Antarctica, so scientific research. So drop in the comments below, what do you think he means by that and why have the Western countries said absolutely they cannot go there and they have no claim over the area and all of that. Drop a comment below as to what you think. Now, I want to mention the weird story that I, <laughs> that I saw, more of a propaganda story, but I thought this one was quite funny. So you probably saw that there's uh, this whole thing about this underwater unmanned drone that the US military came across while conducting a patrol, a routine patrol of the area. And they found out that it was the Houthis had this underwater drone. So they, they destroyed it, basically. And it made me say, hmm, I wonder if that is either anything to do with what we talked about before with the underwater cable, that if they were to cut that cable, then we would be pretty screwed if they, if they cut that cable. And I was, you know, on that video, I just talked about how it is possible. It's very unlikely, but it is possible that with the right equipment, they could do it. But I think the, the thing that made me laugh was the US statement on finding this uh, underwater drone. And they said that they came across it on a routine patrol. So I'm thinking, did they really? Just like, think how big the ocean is. It's absolutely enormous. What were they doing? Did they have a sub underwater? Was it a warship? And then they just happened to come across this one drone in the whole sea or ocean. I mean, to me, it sounds a bit weird. If you're a Navy person, drop a comment below. Is that normal? 
in the middle of the, the sea or the ocean to just come across this little unmanned drone. I mean, it seems, it sounds, it sounds far-fetched to me anyway. But what I thought was strange was they said they destroyed it as an act of self-defense. Now, actually, let me read it out. On a routine patrol, we noticed something quite unusual. It was an underwater drone intended to inflict devastating damage. And now we've just had this new announcement from the European Union that they're putting in an armada of ships, of warships, into the Red Sea region to counteract the Houthi threat. And again, I keep coming back to the same point that I'm going to say over and over again, it's the same thing with other conflicts as well. The reason these conflicts get worse is because these people in power want them to get worse. Remember we did videos on tracing the money and the, the weapons manufacturers, where does all the money go? Where did all the money go that was sent to Ukraine? It didn't go to Ukraine. There was a lot of laundering. There was a lot, all this stuff, it's, it's intended. Why do you think the weapon manufacturers have all these lobbyists as well? So they're always lobbying for more and more weapons and, and more war, they love war because it pushes up the share price. Who was the ones that benefit from the share price first? It is the politicians and all of these other people. And uh, you know, this is just the way it is. So far then, we have got France, Germany, Italy, Belgium, who have now joined the UK and the US to put warships into the Red Sea as a way to, uh, they're saying it's in self-defense as a deterrent. Uh, you know, for the country. But then you're like, well, is it really? Because they're, the Houthis are attacking, originally it was Israeli ships. And we all know the reason why, we talked about that. But then because the UK and US got involved, the Houthis then said, right, now we're targeting US and UK ships because you're bombing our, you know, military bases and, and everything else. So now you've got these other countries saying, oh, we need to act in self-defense of, of us as well. But that it doesn't make sense because they're not being attacked. So how can they act in self-defense if they're not being attacked in the first place? So now what you'll see is the Houthis will start attacking those countries. And then before you know it, that'll be the justification. People will forget how it all started and then it will all be justified in this way. Okay, let's walk up the, the mountainside here then and continue on. I'm not making the mistake I made in previous videos trying to walk up the mountain. <laughs> Let me just show you this terrain in a second. Yeah, we're not gonna walk and talk up there. I'll be uh, very out of breath. So we'll reconvene in a second. Here we go. Oh, we got another waterfall there. It's beautiful. Okay, let's keep going. Look at all these down trees. That's from the last storm, I would've thought. Okay, last bit. Let's get up here. All right. Bit out of breath, but we're at the top there. I don't know why I decided to jog up there. That was just a, that was a bad move. But anyway, we're at the top. Next one then. Migrants in New York City to get $10,000 each. I, I mean, I read this article. I don't know where they got the $10,000 uh, figure, but it says, catchy breath, Neil, come on. Mayor Eric Adams has initiated a program distributing prepaid cash cards to migrants, a move that is not widely publicized by his administration. So basically this is all around the, you know, the $50 million cap and all this for the, the migration stuff. Well, 
I mean, this one made me laugh a little bit, actually. Let me read this out. So the whole cap is meant to be $50 million on migrants that are living in New York City. However, they're now saying that this could be billions of dollars. How they get into that number, it doesn't, it's not quite clear. But it says that they're going to be getting $10,000 each. And this is being called a cost-saving measure. Now, you might say, well, how is this a cost-saving measure when a cost-saving measure would be zero in the first place, right? That, that, that's what you could start with if you were looking at it purely from a numbers perspective. Well, this is the cost-saving measure. They're saying that the migrants that have been coming into the US and going to New York and staying in the hotels have been complaining and causing a lot of administrative work, which is costing a lot of money because of staff hours. So they've been complaining about the quality of food. Yes, you did hear that right. They've been complaining about the food. And this is, of course, on top of the complaints about the hotel accommodation and, you know, all of the other things. I watched one video which was just hilarious to me, but it showed me, and I think it showed the public something that certain people didn't realize. So this guy was complaining about his four-star hotel and he said, the food isn't up to standard. And the interviewer said, well, what are you used to? in your home country, aren't you fleeing persecution? And this person said, no, 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 I'm not fleeing persecution. I'm from Northern Iraq and I was, you know, very uh, from a wealthy family in Iraq and we used to eat well and now I'm coming here and I'm not eating well. <laughs> I was just like, what? Are they written there? They're actually airing this video. Seriously, the media lost their mind. They're airing this video. But putting this guy to the side, right? Let's just take a normal guy who's fleeing persecution you know, you know, really big problems in their home country, poverty. They made this perilous journey uh, all the way to get into the US, right? Imagine this, this person, right? You, you know, an average person doing this journey. I just can't imagine them. They're in their four or five star hotel. Okay, again, we're just using a silly example here. And they say to the, uh, the waiter, excuse me, excuse me, Mr. Waiter. Uh, I'm not satisfied with my... Uh, garlic butter steak and sauteed potatoes here. I, I, need, I need something different. I mean, I don't see this. I, I really don't see <laughs> what this whole thing is about. So they, they want to give a $10,000 cash card so people can buy their own food. It's like the whole thing is weird. It doesn't make any sense. It's still, it's all part of this weird thing going on where your own citizens are not looked after by the politicians. And then they'll look after people from other countries more than their own citizens, even though the citizens are what paid into the system in the first place. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And not just that, we've just had a statistic come out that 7.5 million people have now crossed the southern border illegally. And this is just under the, the uh, current administration. But the issue now is the security services are, uh, are coming out and saying that they are really concerned with some of the people who have gotten in. They're saying that some terrorists <laughs> have gotten across the border, uh, gang leaders, uh, really bad criminals. They, I mean, I was reading all the statistics. Some of these criminals, everything from murder to trafficking, uh, there's all drugs, lords, and all these people. But the thing that I, I think is absolutely bizarre, and this is where you show that the laws are not working, is they can't be extradited. They can't be removed from the country due to the international law on human rights. Does that make any sense whatsoever? 
So you're putting your own citizens at risk over a law around human rights, an international law, which you can't even appeal against, by, by the way. You can't sort of get together as a country and say, no, no, we, we don't like this law. This sounds like a crazy law. And uh, we, we, you know, you, you don't really have a choice. You've got to go along with these crazy laws. And I'm just amazed that we haven't got more countries saying, why would I put my own citizens at risk in order to protect a, some sort of a murderer or a gang leader or whatever? Why would I protect their human rights over my own citizens? Like that is the most obvious thing that you would do as a leader, right? Well, uh, no, no, apparently not. There's all this weird stuff going on right now. But hey, look, look at this view. Let's have a quick look here. Here we go. Take a moment there for a bit of quiet contemplation as we look at this reservoir. Isn't that beautiful? Now, the other thing that is going on right now, and again, this is not a coincidence, is funny, the stuff I talked about a few years ago, where I was called, you know, every name you can imagine for some of these things I said has now come to pass. And not only has it come to pass, the media is normalizing it now. So we talked about the US, uh, we talked about this this week, how the US is now going to be creating this, not a new military, a new army, but they're gonna be allowing people who are not citizens of the US, what, what we're calling illegal mig migration, to join the US military. Now, I have my theories on that, I've shared those theories. I think it's probably because of everything that happened at the US border, where the US military didn't wanna go against the Texan military, it's all, it's all very strange stuff. But now what we're hearing is that the European Union, so this has just come out, the EU is struggling to recruit enough military personnel due to attitudes, due to their health, right? They're not fit enough, they're obese, overweight. You know, there's this big thing that's come out. So now what they're talking about is recruiting migrants to fill the European Union's army. Yes, this is actually what they're talking about now. So the US announces it, and then just afterwards, the EU announces it. Does that sound like a coincidence? No, it doesn't. It's not a coincidence. None of these things are coincidences. Here we go, take a look down here. Isn't that beautiful? This is such a beautiful area. Another thing we've just heard from the EU, and this is a really, really, really bad one in terms of energy, is ExxonMobil is about to pull out of the EU and take its 20 billion euros worth of projects with it. And this isn't just normal projects like oil and gas. This is decarbonization based projects. So this is a lot of renewable projects. And they're saying it's due to there's too much red tape. They're blaming as well the deindustrialization of the European economy. So this is the president of ExxonMobil. She told the Financial Times that they'd set aside 20 billion US dollars for decarbonization projects between 2022 and 2027. However, they're going to be pulling out of the European Union, not doing these projects, because they're saying that the EU is making it impossible for them to even do these projects. So does that make any sense as well? The EU is saying, oh, we've got to decarbonize, we've got to do all this. And then they've got these companies like ExxonMobil who are saying, yep, we've got 20 billion worth of projects, let's go. And then the EU says, no, 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 no. Uh, we, we don't really want these projects. We're making it so difficult for you that you can't do the projects. 
what? She also said, and I quote, that she is very concerned about the European economy as to what's going on and what's going to happen with their energy. So if you're in the EU, yeah, good luck with uh, all of these reports that are coming out from the energy companies that are saying they want to invest and they're being restricted and stopped from investing. So let's look at this then. The European Union is destroying its energy. It's actually decarbonizing anyway. It makes me laugh when I see all these people gluing their hands to roads and stuff like that. And uh, I don't think they realize that already the EU and UK and some other countries, they've reduced their carbon by quite a significant amount just in the last few years. And then you look at India, China, some other places, and they're up sort of, they're up 100% or something ridiculous in the same, in the same time period. Oh boy. But here's another one. The UK has just quit the treaty allowing energy firms to sue governments over climate policy. So this was the Energy Charter Treaty, the ECT, a 1994 pact that allows oil and gas companies to sue governments over their climate policies for compensation and lost profits. And the UK has just pulled out of that. What does that tell you? Because it tells me a lot. Another thing that tells me a lot is Rishi Sunak at the moment. He talked to the Farmers Union. He's pledging 220 million pounds for advanced technology and innovation in agriculture to help the farmers out. Yeah, do you really believe that's the reason why? Or do you think it's anything to do with all the farmers' protests around the EU and around the world in general? I think he's running scared and he's worried about what might happen. And I think that is why, and combined with, if you actually listen to what it is, it's not necessarily a grant for farming, it's a grant for more technology. Okay, let's take a seat here for a moment. Oh, that's nice. I'm just sat here. This is what I'm seeing, here we go. In fact, why don't you look at the reservoir a moment while I tell you the next story, which is about Mille in Argentina. So for the first time since 2012, Argentina have actually balanced their book for the month. So their government budget, they have just balanced it for the month, which has absolutely infuriated um, the media and a lot of other people. They are furious about this, him balancing the books and that he's, you know, he did what he said he's going to do. However, let me just add a couple of caveats. It was pretty obvious that the books would balance this month. So I think we need to watch this carefully before we jump to any conclusions that he solved the, uh, you know, the crisis in Argentina. Because you look at the cuts that were done right away, which I agree with a lot of them, they were correct. But there's certain ones that I don't agree with, like travel and tourism. Uh, things like this, cutting this may not be a good idea because if you look at the budgets for country by country and you actually look at the budget for tourism, leisure and tourism, things like that, hospitality, it actually gives you a greater return than what you actually spend as a government. So maybe that isn't like the best idea to cut that. But let's just see. Let's see how his policies go. I'm going to monitor it for a few months before I really give an opinion on it because everyone else has already decided. They've decided that what he's done is saving Argentina and they're going to, within a year, they're going to be this massive economy again like they used to be. I'm going to just wait and uh, hold off on making a decision on that until I've seen it a little closer. And final story then, 
this is, uh, this is a very interesting one because what was happening at 6 p.m. UK time yesterday was that I was talking about, um, well, we we're talking about the million, billionaires selling off and the millionaires selling off their homes and buying bunkers and things like this. And what was the example on the video? It was some sort of geomagnetic storm, a solar flare. Well, guess what happened at that time yesterday? There was a solar flare outage. Yes, this actually happened. AT&T and other major mobile network operators experienced a nationwide outage with three quarters of its network going down. The US cybersecurity uh, agency found no evidence of a cyber attack and they believe that it was some sort of a solar flare. So there we go. I mean, talk about timing, hey, with the video yesterday. But here we go. Have a quick look at this as we wrap up the video. Thank you so much for watching today. Take care. God bless you. God bless your family. And I'll see you next time.